Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Brave Worship, episode 20. You're listening to the Brave Worship podcast with Chrissy Nordhoff and Mary Beth Dodd. Brave Worship is all about encouraging women to write, lead, and live worship. Welcome to episode 20. It's been a little while, guys. It's been a little while, but it's 20. We're on 20. Happy anniversary. Thank you. you. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. We're pretty much adults now. We're growing up. Let's not be fanatical. Let's not go overboard. (laughs) No, we won't. I'm sure we'll have a few. Childish laughs in between. Well yes, done. we have had quite a few childish laughs on this podcast so far. Yes, we have. Even few they inappropriate things. Recorded. Really? You two? Oh, come on. on this? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You guys all heard that. Leave that for a minute. No. Well, you're probably hearing a couple of extra voices today, so we'd like to introduce them. Um, today, we're going to have with us Jill and Andrew Mitchell, our good friends from. Across the pond from near Edinburgh, Scotland. Motherland. From the motherland. The motherland, yes. <laughs> so I can do it if I. Oh, it's British? <laughs> That's not the right one, right? Well, it's all part of the same thing. Pretty much the same. There's something there. Scotland I don't think it's supposed is to sound like that. North England. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So Ireland is not West England. It's close. <laughs> All countries in their own right, but part of the same United Kingdom, which is a good word, actually. United, we have that too. United We're United stand. too. Yes. Yes, yes. isn't yes. that great? We united share that. We, uni- we share that United. Unitedity. <laughs> yes. So united. we met Jill and Andrew. How long ago was it, guys? I think about 14 years 14. ago. 14. Yeah, just as we were leaving junior high. Yes, that's right. They were here. Yes, it was a long time. We were traveling without our parents, and uh, (laughs) your first trip. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, as in holiday rather than trip, trip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because that means something else here, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We have to be careful of our word swapping. I was reading in my cross-cultural language book on the plane. Don't say that. Yes, holiday. That works. Holiday. Well, talking of hol- yeah. words between the cultures, holiday or vac- vacation, which is your. We preference. usually say vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite nice. And I like, I like that. <laughs> it works. So, Jill and Andrew have a heart for worship and um, have worshiped for a long time. And I was going to ask them to come on and maybe just share a little bit of their story with you in between our laughs today. In between so, our chortles. Yes. Chortles. Yes. That's another new one. Chortles. Chortling away. So you were saying they came here, what, 14 years ago you said? Yeah. And 
you guys met with them, shared a heart for worship. You ended up going over, right? Yes. And did some music with them. Yep. They had some worship events over there. Mm-hmm. So we came over twice to be a part of those events. Okay. And then I remember when I was on staff in Atlanta, too, you guys came and did a concert. Yes. And led yes, worship right. in the morning yeah. with me. Um, yes. That was a long time ago. I think that was in 2004. Does that sound right? That sounds about right, actually, yeah. So. Yeah, we'd only just got married, hadn't we? Yeah, we've all shared that same kindred sense of mm-hmm. uh, connectedness, mm-hmm. haven't we? Mm-hmm. Especially over worship mm-hmm. and chortling. <laughs> yes. yes. Lots of laughter. Yes. yes. Lots of shared heart for worship. Yes. Yeah, pers- pursuing the things of God's heart whilst letting Him transform us, which, let's be honest, we all need, don't we? Yes. We are progressively being made whole. I think it's that thing as well of recognizing God's calling in each other's lives, and it's been a very deep and inherent thing, but there's got to be, as Jill would call it, the journification, you know, mm. walking towards the thing of destiny whilst learning to walk in the calling. Probably we've all made the mistake at times of trying to run towards the destiny before we were ready to walk in the calling, and it's really got to mm. always be the other way around in God in order for the, the thing of destiny to ultimately be sustainable. Mm-hmm. As Gladys, our Northern Irish pastoral overseer, says it takes a steady hand to hold a full cup, which is a good, it's a wise wow, word. Mm. that's really good. Mm. Jill, you were talking earlier when we were um, on with the Brave Besties call about rushing it. Yeah. The same kind of thing, right? Yeah, I think when we first started out, when we first got married and we first started doing worship, there was a tendency to really charge 110%. We thought we, we mm. were doing the right thing and mm. really striving after God. Mm. But actually, I think we learned more about having fruitfulness from restfulness. So resting into Father's presence, mm. being reconciled with the fact that there is a journey and that actually sometimes God's priorities for working on our hearts uh, are different to our priorities. We think we should get there a lot quicker. Um, and so being okay with the passage of time and trusting Father that he will bring things together um, in fullness at the right time when we're ready, when we've got a steady enough hand to hold mm-hmm. that cup and mm-hmm. not rushing at it, not overreaching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think in the early days we had a, an overreaching, so we knew what God had stamped on our hearts in terms of destiny and things that were in our future, but we expected it to literally happen like the next day. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. which, which when journey, you think about yeah. it, it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Really, when you when you look back, you know, if you were if you were having that conversation with anybody, you would just counsel them, wouldn't you, to not to not ever fall into that trap? And yet, when it's yourself, it's so easy to just fall mm-hmm. right on in. Um, how, how can you suddenly arrive at a place without having done any personal journeying with God so that you, if, if we don't understand the signposts along the way and how we got to somewhere, how will we have any appreciation for it when we do get there? Mm-hmm. And so in God, there's always, there's always something of deep journeying. And if you look in Scripture, that's always manifested in any of the great heroines and heroes of Scripture's lives. There's always been something of profound journeying in God. Um, I mean, for goodness sake, I mean, even taking Mary and Joseph and getting to Bethlehem on that, you know, that particular mm-hmm. time of the census, of all, of all the journeys, you know, theirs was most harrowing. So I suppose my point being, even when God was being birthed incarnate, you know, through Mary at the time, the journey, the journey there was extraordinarily extreme. Mm. Um, and I think that should tell us all something. 
But um, we do naively think at times when we've got this deep sense of destiny in life, which, which God places there, and that's rich and wonderful and good, but we seem to lose perspective, or it's easy to lose perspective, and then, yeah. right, we'll just, and, you know, a year or two years later or three years later, when that wasn't happening, whilst in saying that, there are lots of great and things going on, mm-hmm. rich times of, of worship or recording or writing or enjoying his presence or touring and having amazing times, but because it wasn't kind of going where he said it was to ultimately go as quickly mm. as we thought it would, we then started to struggle, I did, especially with a real sense of failure or, mm. or inadequacy of mm. what am I doing wrong or mm-hmm. it must be me. Yeah, and, why aren't uh, certain things mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. when actually God was doing what he needed to do in, in his perfect To change our hearts first, change, really, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which is that, that thing of, yeah, his, his priority is always our relationship with him. You know, and mm. whatever that looks like on a given day can be very mm-hmm. different to what what we think. Um, he's he's just got a well. He has a perfect perspective, mm. and sometimes through our eyes, uh, we rush ahead and we don't stop to say, "Well, what's happening today?" And Father is completely at large and manifest and great power mm. right now today. So there should always be things of growth and refinement and expansion happening mm-hmm. in different ways but sometimes we don't we don't, um, we don't see it through the through the correct through lens the same lens, mm-hmm. right? yeah. yeah so true you guys um Chrissy redirect if you have another thought but mm-hmm. maybe you guys could share just a little bit about the last almost you know 10 12 years like what because all of this, I feel like, applies to that. This is what you guys... It's kind of cool because we have only seen you guys a couple times in 10 years or 12 years, you know? So just to see what God's been teaching you over this time, you know? And you guys have done worship. You guys have done business endeavors. And there's, you know, I'm sure it all kind of crosses. I mean, we kind of affectionately call, you know, call ourselves kingdom entrepreneurs, don't we? Because there are lots of facets to life, all of which come under God's umbrella and therefore kingdom umbrella. But for us, primarily what was happening was a a profound journey from servanthood to sonship, um, daughtership. And it was... um, probably as it was necessary because we'd given out so much, we'd ministered so much and poured out in so many ways over the first few years of our marriage that we'd ended up probably losing something of the joy and the passion in worship and actually felt quite subjugated. And God started to speak to us about the fact that we were on a Joseph journey and Joseph and his wife, Asenath, had this incredible journey where, you know, as we, as we all know from the story, you know, there was, there was this, this, this um, difficult um, process that had to be undertaken by, by somebody and a couple who had a calling upon their lives that, that everybody around them really struggled with. You know, so initially Joseph's brothers didn't like him and were jealous of him and then threw him in a pit and then the Ishmaelites came along and he was sold into slavery. And we all know what happens in the story. And then he marries and he's, he's raised up to this place. So as a couple, they become this prominent, fruitful couple who then have got influence over what was the world's superpower at the time and given this place of high government and responsibility and... and um, So, you know, in a nutshell and in a bridged version, you see this sort of huge arc of their journey. 
from a, a place of calling and the struggle that goes with that, often the alienation that that can cause in, in the hearts of people around you or mm-hmm. close to you, the deep feelings of isolation that that can then induce, mm-hmm. the, 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 the strength and the faith that's needed to continue to feel connected to the things of God and courageously walk in them despite every temptation or desire to maybe walk away, to try to stay true to the things of his heart believing that at some point this craziness is all going to kind of resolve somehow in a way that that makes sense and is is ultimately glorifying to him and so for us we we um we had that whole sort of initial season of a lo- quite a lot of favor and we went through a difficult period where we were we felt we were flung into a pit and and actually that was by some of the people that we knew and loved and so, mm-hmm quote, trusted, unquote, the most, Mm -hmm. and which are often some of the people that hurt you the most, Mm -hmm. as we all can probably relate to. Um, And then we had the kind of off into slavery process, then we had the Potiphar's household season, um, and then we ended up in the prison. And it was during that prison season where we felt so, so alone and so um, uh, shut off from everything that had been meaningful to us that we just, we just pressed into God. We had nowhere to go. We got so down. We got so low. So this was about five, six years ago. God had said, I'm taking you out of worship. I want you to plow and sow into another field entirely. So he said, I want you to start constructing houses. And so we started to do that with a construction team that we brought together. But it was very difficult. I and mean, we were very kind of isolated. Um, and during that time, we started, we started prayer walking. Um, and there was this lovely old disused railway line um, in the county where we lived. And um, we walked hundreds and hundreds of miles in mm-hmm. prayer. Um, and we just pressed into God. And we started to get this huge shift within our lives, a paradigm shift really spiritually, uh, as he started to take us through this incredible journey from, from, from servanthood and from that lonely, subjugated an isolated state we were in where there was, it was kind of joyless and, and uh, into this place of radical revelation about who Jill was as a royal daughter, who I am as a royal son. And it was just the most life-changing, transformational period for us as we walked over these hundreds of miles over those, those months and years, calling out to him and just praying that he would give us these incredible sort of heavenly deposits of fresh revelation even though we'd been mm-hmm. Christians since we were little kids mm-hmm. that we were just going to this whole other level in God and we were starting to understand what it what it was to, to move and speak and live uh, from a place of authority you know it says in the scriptures that we're seated in the heavenly places with him so what does that actually mean what things can we influence what things do our words change um, and that's that's what started for us the beginning of this huge season of change. And as we got through that, um, and we started to experience this incredible uh, shift in from the prison to the palace, God just kept expanding the place of our tent radically. Uh, and uh, and as He did so, and as He gave us more and more to steward, and business grew and developed, and we realised that He was sort of placing us on. On, on a mountain of, of business influence and, and uh, uh, wealth to be able to, to, to govern that in a fruitful and kingdom-driven way. 
He then, having established us on that, over the last sort of 18 months or so, started to speak to us deeply again about the fact that, and now is the time for you to start sowing into worship and worshipping life and, and, and whatnot again, mm. which is why we're, you know, back here <clears throat> today. Yeah, I think one of the other things that we really thrashed out with God over those prayer walks were deep things about identity. Mm. And I know we glibly mm. talk about needing to find our identity in Christ yeah. and needing to find our security and identity in Him, but actually on a day-by-day basis, figuring mm. that out in terms of what does that actually mean? How does that actually apply to me? How does that... How, what does it look like? You know, what does that look like today in what I'm praying for? Mm. And how can I move to that place where I really do know who I am in God and who I've been made to be and what his heart is for mm. me and then how do I speak out from that place how do I move out from that place and what does that actually practically look like and what things can I change now because of God's power manifesting me right now you know and how can that change my today so learning to live and move and operate out from a place of eternity now today mm-hmm. learning to mm-hmm. you know move and effect change um, because God is you know at large in my life today mm-hmm. so speaking out and moving from a place of victory not striving for victory mm-hmm. but actually moving from a place of victory mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. and yeah seeing things move and shift and just seeing miraculous things happen and, you know n- not meaning that lightly but mm-hmm. you know actually seeing his power I think as well in, that our, in life. our, our relationship with God had probably become quite um, functional, as opposed to quite mm. as, to, as opposed to that personal. Yeah. Um, we were Almost so abstract. We're, abstract. Yeah, we were so aware yeah. of our own needs, and we were so aware of the things that we knew He'd called us to that we prayed into those things more than just hanging out with Him and enjoying His presence, mm. you know, and just just being in His company and the prayer walks. Um, we're just we're just these beautiful conversations with Father, mm. you know, where we could just talk and cry. And I think the thing is, identity ultimately comes from a place of intimacy. And if you're in a very functional, mm. kind of abstract, slightly disconnected place with anyone, we could say it about a family member, a loved one, a child, a, a partner, anything, then there'll be a lack of intimacy. And when you move from a place of, of, great, of great intimacy, there is always with it great identity. Mm. Um, and because we let God into all those raw, lumpy, especially lumpy in my case, broken bits in us, all the little old insecurities, or insecurities generally crop up when you're lacking in identity, as mm-hmm. we all know. But when we let God in and we could cry and be raw and go to rock bottom with him and realize, you know, his shoulders are broad enough to cope with the full extent of our human need or expression or uh, current state, Mm -hmm. that he will never be put off us. Nothing Mm -hmm. will ever take him by surprise. He will never turn and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were feeling like that. I completely missed it. He already, he he Mm -hmm. knows before we even express it. When we got, when we learned to do that and that it was safe, in other words, he is up always unequivocally unconditionally safe our our whole 
tenor of conversation with him changed completely and we just realized that 100% of the time we are loved, adored, beloved to him, accepted by him, cherished and treasured by him, that he wants to know those deep things in us in an unfiltered, untempered way. Um, but it's but we're the ones who have to come to a place of, mm. of understanding that and learning that so that we can articulate that and, and be real, basically mm-hmm. be real. And when you're real with someone, when you're real with anyone relationally, that is what forms the basis of covenant relationship. And covenant relationship is one of those things that is deeply set in the heart of God between us and Him and between us all as His people. And it's not something the world has particularly, or the church has particularly mm-hmm. got a hold of yet. Mm-hmm. But um, we have to get a hold of it first in order to be able to model it within the church. So for us, that was one of the most profound changes. Um, and as we got, as we started to um, let go of who we thought God needed us to be, right, mm-hmm. and actually just ran to Him with what we were, which is mm-hmm. maybe not much on some days, admittedly, mm-hmm. you know. It's a bit of a lumpy old mess at times, you know, but actually it's recognizing, but I'm so loved, so adored. He is so desperate to have this moment with us. Mm-hmm. Then we started to, we started to find this, this in, in the letting go and in the shedding of all those layers of self, mm-hmm. right? It was like he immediately just started to reclothe us in all these wonderful new garments. And you know, like, like in any situation when someone is reclothed, they become renewed and something of identity is deeply established in them. You know, this is why in, in, in companies or organizations, uniforms or in sports teams, uniforms do that. It's a galvanizing influence. So spiritually, you can imagine the process of being reclothed is even is way more powerful than mm-hmm. that. And, and as you're being reclothed, the Holy Spirit's naturally just shedding old clothes. That's, I, we would call them grave clothes, wouldn't we, Jill? They're, mm-hmm. just, they're just old, raggedy grave clothes that you've carried around for years, and ostensibly he is removing from you the residue of the old dead self. Because you can be saved, and you can have asked Jesus into your life, and you've maybe walked with him for 10 years or 20 years or 65 years, but you can still carry around huge elements of your old dead self mm-hmm. and that old dead self will continue to rot the new woman or the new man that God is trying to build and, and craft within you and so this, this process has got to be a constant letting go of all those old things, old mindsets, old behavioural patterns, old ways of reacting and thinking so that the renewing process permeates every facet of your mind and your, and your spirit your will, your intellect, your emotions. And that's, that's what we let God work on. And, it, and it, we, we needed it so deeply. And we, we didn't know we needed it, but he knew we needed it. There was probably people around us, older, wiser people, who knew we needed it, um, who could see those areas of brokenness in us. But we couldn't because it was too close for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but Father knew and thankfully in his wisdom and love took us aside and said, you, you need to be in a separate place with me and we kind of just pressed ourselves into him constantly and let him do a, a, a deep and, and life-changing work which we will always be grateful for mm-hmm. and don't feel like we've lost a minute of, of anything important actually because nothing could have been more important than that it's mm-hmm. literally set us up for life now and so with that this huge change happened in our identity and this deep deep assurance in God grew and it wasn't put upon it wasn't 
overexerted. It wasn't humanly engineered. It was happening within us spiritually, and um, and that just changed us completely. And as as God started to to take us from that previous prison to the palace, we un- we started to understand the reality of what it is to be His royal children, mm. and that's that's become the basis now from how we live and and move and and operate. So. Wow. Yeah. I think what I love about what I hear you saying is that um, the time that we spend in prisons is not a waste. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's fruit that comes from prisons. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we, if we only had joyous experiences all the time, if we were always just somersaulting through the air, banging a tambourine, how would we relate to the, you know, That sounds amazing. How, how would we re, but how would we relate to the lost and the brokenhearted? Right. Yes. You, you know, and and you know, I, I think I think always it's it's good to look back at, as, as at Jesus as a reference point, and he didn't have constant happy joyful days. Right. You know, he went through trials and tribulations and difficult times and, and great and suffering, challenging times and huge mm-hmm. suffering ultimately. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we have to consider those times as times of preparation and refining. If you avail yourselves of them, I think that was our big shift. We'd been <laughs> we'd been resisting them for a while, and then eventually yeah. when we went. You know what? We're kind of at rock bottom within ourselves. Where do we go? We either run from God or we go to God. Yeah, we've and decided I think sometimes to go to the him. church. When you grow up in church, and you you you, you can kind of. Uh, Run the risk of feeling like you should have it all figured out, and you, yes. you know, to actually realize that you can give yourself permission to feel wounded or know mm. know that you need to go to God and say, "Actually, I'm really struggling with this," or I'm, mm. "I really think I need healing for this," or "I really feel mm. really wounded about what that person just said," or and and catching it in real time and ad- admitting mm. that there does need to be. Uh, Father's love applied to our brokenness daily mm. and being okay with that, realising that that's an empowering thing, not a weakening mm. thing. Um, you know, and I think societally speaking and in church, sometimes there's that propensity to think, well, we should have it all figured out. We should be jumping through the air with a tapping <laughs> every Sunday, every yeah. day of the week, every you time we see another, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. It doesn't do... It, it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't give way to uh, strong relationships with one another mm. either. If we're pretending mm-hmm. all the time, mm. and so yeah. being okay and giving ourselves permission to mm. be real. It reminds me of yeah. a couple lines um, in a song that I wrote last year, and the lines were: "It's not weak to need you. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. weak. It's beautiful." Mm. Like, he made us to need him. And so if we think, you know, if we live this, try to strive for this perfection, like, perfect Christian life, and that pressure that sometimes, you know, culturally, as a Christian, comes on us, and we care, we choose to pick that up and carry it. And um, it's a false sense of identity. You're, you're basically identifying with the law. You know what I mean? You're not necessarily identifying with Christ. You're, you're putting the law on instead of grace. Yeah. And when we come under the law, it's not reality. No, and you, you're also denying Father's heart for that area of life that he's yeah. 
so desperate to get a hold of and get his hands on and bring what we need. You know, he is our every need, he is our every Mm -hmm. portion. But if we continually pretend that that bit of us doesn't need him, Mm -hmm. then we're denying Mm -hmm. the the fullness of who he is on that day. Cool. I think the cultural pressures as well if, you've, if you're in ministry life if you're in kingdom life doing things let's just call it kingdom life trying to be fruitful for God mm-hmm. culturally uh, are quite onerous at times because people don't want to generally let other people see areas of struggle or weakness or any kind of flaws you say Chris mm-hmm. any imperfection and perfection is I mean that's 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 a relative term isn't it so if we were to define that even on our very very best day Somebody is still suffering in the world. Somebody has still been unfair. Children have still been victims within areas of conflict. People are still unclothed. The lost are still desperately in need of an encounter with Jesus. So define perfect. There will never be that perfect day, will there, really? Mm-hmm. Whilst, whilst there's a few million Christians in the world, but there's still that level of extreme need not, not being met, actually. Mm-hmm. There's still so much more to be done. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think that uh, because we can get culturally very focused um, through a very small lens rather mm-hmm. than the broad lens, the panoramic lens that God, I believe, views things through, um, we, we don't encourage this sense of, of, of covenant openness with one another where you can just sit down and go, yeah, I'm an absolute mess today or I've been a complete idiot and hurt someone's feelings and I need to hold my hand up and say sorry or... You know, I've, I've been insensitive to somebody or I'm having struggles with blah, 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 whatever it is. But actually real love and real intimacy and real closeness says, I love you, I accept you, I care for you unconditionally. So even on your worst day when you've been an absolute twit um, and you've hurt people, twit. Do you use the word twit? Yeah, That's like, not very it's like, often. It's like if you're a twit, <laughs> if you're a twit, you're just an idiot. You just you know, we all have those moments. Our mom thought that was a swear word. Yeah, mom did. Didn't she? But it's not. Oh, it's not. So sweet. Yes, mom did. Yeah. Twit <laughs> just means fool. If you've been a complete fool, and even in even in that moment, um, we should be able to still love each other through it and and have the honesty to. To say I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to wantonly hurt your feelings, or be insensitive, or appear thoughtless, and be and be met with that response of that's okay. I love you. You know, I love you. I did wonder what was going on, and I'm glad we can talk about it. You know, and we can move beyond it. But um, how do we get to a stage culturally and as God's people where we can do that with each other relationally? Well, you can only do it by spending time with one another. And learning to feel safe and learning to feel accepted with one another. Like we have this incredible heart for you guys and you know, and you as well, Mary and Chris. And we just, since we met, it was like God just interwove our lives. We've never tried to humanly engineer something, mm-hmm. any of us. But when we're together, it's like we just saw each other last week. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's no distance in the spirit, is mm-hmm. there? Um, only he can do those kinds of things and the reason it works and there's such a richness is because there's stuff of covenant love in there which I think we'll find in this new season now that we're seeing each other more will grow and accelerate at a far greater level than it did even previously albeit that that was still rich and good mm-hmm. but that's because we're all getting a hold of this stuff now and I think I think people will learn to do it mm-hmm. yeah. that is huge and you know yeah. um I think even, you know, it's hard for people to be real with each other. 
and get to that point. I mean, and because a lot of times when you're vulnerable and you're real and you share your true heart, you know, it, it kind of, you know, if it bounces off someone and they reject you or they crush you, yeah. it makes you scared to step out and do that again. Yeah. Um, and that happens all the time. But there is such richness, if you will, be willing and surprised even. We've been surprised or last year how God will um, bring things back around or heal situations and mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And I never think it's, I don't ever think it's worth shutting down. No. I think it's always worth the risk. Mm-hmm. Love is worth the risk. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, love is worth the risk. It's yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. 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 Well, I love um, just thinking about you guys' story over the last few years and how, um, you know, worship was a huge part of it and still is a huge part, but it's Mm -hmm. been interwoven with this business side that God's Mm -hmm. asked you guys almost to minister like in the marketplace, you know, just Mm -hmm. knowing you guys, I know that that's what you were doing while you've been, Mm -hmm. you know, working. And so... um, A lot has changed. We were talking earlier about Chrissy went to visit and you guys lived in a small cottage. Yeah. And recently you guys made a pretty big purchase. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God has brought a castle into life. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Yeah, we've had an amazing journey with a specific area of land just outside uh, Edinburgh. So it was the place that God first took us to when we were first married. We rented a one-bedroom cottage Mm -hmm. on this country estate. Uh, which was damp and foosty. It's a good Scottish word. <laughs> if something's foosty, it means it's maybe just, you know, not that fresh. Musty. Uh, musty. 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 Yeah. yeah. So you, yeah, musty. you've got it. Foosty so musty. Damp and musty. musty. <laughs> but we, we loved it. And we had, we had some incredible times with Father there. Um, and it was on that same country estate that we held uh, the worship events that Chrissy came and mm-hmm. ministered at. You came and shared there, and so it was, you know, really in the in the very infancy of our married lives together and our mm-hmm. journeying with God and our worship journey, and uh, right back at the start of our story, really. And here we are, thirteen years later, and we now own the whole of the country estate and the, the castle that sits on it. Um, and it's just, it's an incredible thing of destiny. We, mm. we have always known since right back in that, in those early days at the cottage that there was something God was laying down in that place. And we have a, a real vision to see his plans at work there. Mm. Um, but we believe that Father was saying that he was giving us the water rights mm-hmm. and uh, that we were to go and unblock wells mm-hmm. um, on that land. Mm-hmm. And I remember in those days, you know, financially you were struggling through some of those times, but oh yeah, um, <laughs> I remember you saying during that time, and um, Eric has mentioned it through the years, you know, um, that we come from a very wealthy family. Mm. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Mm. And just, just walking. Despite the fact that we were yeah. really struggling financially, we, yeah. Yeah, we would say, but we belong to the wealthiest, most powerful family that mm-hmm. there is. You know, it's yeah. uh, God's family. And mm-hmm. we trusted him in the small things and he's just given us 
bigger and bigger things to steward, really. Um, the, the, the thing is, there's, there's deep and there's rich things of kingdom deposits that have been placed in the land, you know, for those mm-hmm. who have the eyes or the spiritual ears to see and hear what they are. And there's something about this land that's hugely significant. It was, it was gifted by King David I of Scotland to the monks of Dunfermline Abbey in the 12th century. Wow. So people have been praying on that land for 800 years. And, um, and down into the 1700s and then the, 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 uh, the 1800s, the Jacobites marched through that land uh, on their way to the Battle of Preston Pans during the Jacobite Rebellion. Um, Mary, Queen of Scots, was captured on the estate in 1567. Um, there's, been, there's been this history of... Incre- it's an incredibly significant estate, spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. in terms of the blessings that are literally have literally been sown into the ground there. And then when we when we uh, we first, I've been involved there since I was a child, I'm about twelve years old. It was it was uh, it belonged to the Queen's sister, mm-hmm. the Queen Mother's sister. So if you know the film The King's Speech. Uh, if you've watched the film The King's Speech, which was a, an Oscar-winning film about two or three years mm-hmm. ago, um, King George VI was the king that was portrayed uh, in the film. He was the brother of Edward VII, who abdicated with Wallace Simpson, the American divorcee. You'll know about that story. Uh, so he abdicated from the, the throne, and it was his brother, who was the then Duke of York, who, had, who, who, who was next in line of uh, succession. Uh, and he was married uh, to Mary Bowles Lyon, who later became known as the Queen Mother, who you'll all know as American. She just died a few years ago. But in the 30s, um, when King George VI and this, this whole... is a fairly kind of scandalous story of abdication was taking place. He, he um, uh, succeeded to the throne. And uh, so as the Duke of York, he became King George VI, had this terrible speech impediment had been through all these specialists to try to help him become this public figure, which he now was. And his wife, who was the Queen Mother, who later became the Queen Mother um, upon his death, um, was related to the lady that had the estate. It was her sister um, who had the estate. So our Queen, our current Queen, um, Queen Elizabeth, used to visit the estate as a girl. So we've got some wonderful pictures of her on the estate Playing in the in the in the walled garden and playing tug of war mm. on the south lawns, and she used to be there with Princess Margaret a lot because it was their aunt's house. Um, so it's got this incredible royal heritage, and we've got some beautiful photos of King George the Sixth on our Champagne Terrace. Wow. You know, just standing there with a glass of some, a cigarette in his hand, just watching the young princesses play on the lawns and. It's this hugely significant estate nationally, historically, architecturally, but for us, much more importantly, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And when we got married and we moved to a cottage on the estate, um, God said we were renting it, as Jill said, and I was out praying one night about midnight and walking around the grounds, and God said to me, this is my wedding gift to you and Jill. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we knew that we were wow. going to get to buy this cottage, which it had never been sold in its entire history. So we applied to buy it from the, the, the folks that owned the estate, and we, we got to buy it, and uh, we bought it, and that was the beginning of us unblocking the wells on that, on that estate. And as, and as we went through those years from 2007, 8, 9, 10, God was just saying to us, you know, 
laying in our hearts this deep, deep thing of destiny about us becoming the owners. And I remember the first time I pulled out this great big scroll of title deeds for the estate, which are all written in illuminated hand script and whatnot, because it's ancient, seeing my name on it from going down all the estate properties to Mm -hmm. where we got to our cottage and there was mine and I got this huge jolt in my spirit because because I just hadn't expected to see that. Um, And then four years ago, the the, the main castle mansion house had just got to the end of this sort of massive multi-million pound um, restoration program and we thought that the organisation that had done that would keep it for years. Um, and suddenly, we'd just been with you guys staying mm-hmm. here uh, in May, and we got home, and literally a few days later, this Carberry Town, the estate, went on the market, and we just knew that God was saying to us, now is the time. So can I tell you this incredible thing that happened? Um, because it's linked to, to God saying to us um, a lot of deep, deep truths about identity and about the fact that we are his royal children, um, we had left you, gone home, Carberry Tower had just gone on the market, we'd gone and stayed with some friends in the Cotswolds in the middle of England, and we ended up at this little Christian retreat centre called the House of Bread um, for a day. And um, we just viewed Carberry Tower and had our official viewing with the real estate agent and whatnot. And we were at this retreat centre, and these people had, only, had just met us for the first time, okay? that day and we'd shared a little bit with them about our journey but just for a few minutes and we had a prayer time and there was a really heavy weighty sense of God's presence and as they prayed over us they felt that they were to start singing the national anthem over us so our national anthem is God save our gracious queen long live our noble queen you know you know the words so they, they felt like they were to release something over us by singing that over us and as they sang that over us the word that God gave them was old royalty is being replaced by new royalty. Of course, the household at Carita had been owned by, you know, the royal family. So this was really deep and profound to us. And then we went into the buying process of Carberry Tower and um, there were so many people offering on it, other companies and big organisations trying to buy it. There were 11 different offers from all over the world. Um... And in September in 2015, our current queen, okay, became the longest reigning monarch in history. So she, she, she became the long, she became, in the sense that Queen Victoria had previously been the longest reigning monarch, right? Mm. But on a day, a specific day in September, she became the longest reigning monarch. On that day in September... This is all quite deep and profound. But on that day, the Queen came through the village that we now live in on the royal train on that day. Now, we live in this beautiful uh, village set in, in, in this beautiful hillside valley. And there are only about 12 sort of nice properties spaced out around the place. But we've got this little rail track that goes through from Edinburgh down to the Scottish borders. And as part of her celebratory tour of the British Isles she was coming through our village on, on our royal train. And right in the midst of all of this, because of all these other people who'd been offering on Carberry Tower, um, it looked like it was going to be sold to somebody else. And there was this other front runner, and it was a big organisation that had put in a very, very robust bid. 
And it just didn't feel like it was happening to us. But we knew God had said we were to become the owners there. And Jill felt we were to walk down through our village and up, up to the rail tracks and honour the Queen as she came through on the royal train and just honour her because we have a real heart for her and she is a woman that has a really deep faith in God and we, we bless her and we, we, we pray for her at times. You know? So we walked up to the train tracks on the other side of the valley. Jill was wearing something very significant, a deep spiritual meaning and I was carrying my crook, like a shepherd's crook, which for me has spiritual meaning. And we stood there in this beautiful steam train from the 1940s came powering through from the distance. You could hear it coming, and it was towing the royal train. And we just stood there, and then it got closer and closer and closer, and we could feel something rising deeply in our spirits. And as she came through the village, we just blessed her, we just honoured her, and we spoke blessing over her life. And then we walked back up to the house about a kilometre away, and we got into the house, and we felt something really exploding in our spirits like there'd been mm. some transition something had happened and we, we got into the house and and literally as soon as we shut the front door of the house in our inbox was an email entitled offer to sell and it was a contractual offer to sell Carby Tower and the estate to, to us and it had just been released just like that and that just began this incredible series of miraculous things that have been happening ever since. And do you know what? Yesterday, when we got off the plane in Nashville uh, and parked up, um, we had an incredible, miraculous moment with God because we parked up and got out the car. Now, just imagine this. Only God knew when we'd arrive. Mm -hmm. Only God knew the first place we would go and park. Mm -hmm. We hadn't even decided where we'd drive to at that point, but he already knew only he knew what car would be parked next to the parking space that we parked in. And, I, and with all those billion to one events, trillion to one events, we park up, get out of the car, and the car in this car park, there was one car in the whole car park, the car right next to us had this massive big windscreen sticker on it that said, New Royalty. Just amazing, you know? And it's just these kinds of things happen mm. to us all the time because we've stepped into that that place of um, release I think I would call mm -hmm. it in God where the things of his kingdom are just because we're asking him for them to be manifest all the time every mm -hmm. day we expect to live in the miraculous and see the manifestation of things happen so mm -hmm. yeah I'm trying to give you huge stories in little nutshells but anyway. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> I love it this is good well and um We'll get more Monday night. More Monday night, yep. They'll be right joining event, us so. live. So for those of you that want to tune in, it's going to be on our Brave Worship Facebook page. Yes. And right? how? what's a good way for people to follow you guys? Is there a website or something? If people want to check out the Carberry Tower website, it's very simple. It's carberrytower.com. C-A-R-B-E-R-R-Y. Yes. Yes. And the Facebook page is Carberry T, capital T, so... Yeah. Okay, great. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Thank you. Part of your story. Thank you for having us. We're honored that we can hear it. And I know so many people will be inspired. And I'm sure we will hear more. Yes. Well, we're sure. honored to be part Monday. of your journeys and uh, sharing all of that too. So we're excited about everything you, you ladies are doing. You are mighty 
bless royal daughters and we honour you and heap coals of honour on your heads we really do and are thrilled to be part of of that and and looking forward to Monday as well great thank you so much thank you guys okay so tell them how they can connect with us All right. so yeah make sure you check out braveworship.com if you have not already been there and sign up for our email list so you can stay up to date and stuff we've got going on there's also a free song download um, with that as well and make sure you check out uh, bravebesties.com if you would like to connect with our community of uh, worship leaders and songwriters from all around the country hope you guys have a great week cheerio 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 you've been listening to the brave worship podcast with dove award-winning songwriter chrissy nordhoff and worship leader and music pastor mary beth dodd Visit braveworship.com forward slash free song and sign up for the email list to get updates on all the latest Brave Worship events, conferences, and retreats. Plus, get free songs to use in your next worship service, complete with chord chart and track. Also, find out how you can join Chrissy and Mary Beth in person at the next Brave Worship conference. Simply visit braveworship.com forward slash conference to learn more. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation, You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.